Story twenty of Christmas Stories by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story twenty No Thoroughfare Part four As he turned into Soho Square and directed his steps towards its north side, a deepened colour shot across his sun browned face, which Wilding, if he had been a better observer, or had been less occupied with his own trouble, might have noticed when his partner read aloud a certain passage in their Swiss correspondence letter, which he had not read so distinctly as the rest a curious colony of mountaineers has long been enclosed within that small flat london district of soho swiss watchmakers swiss silver chasers swiss jewellers swiss importers of swiss musical boxes and swiss toys of various kinds draw close together there swiss professors of music painting and languages swiss artificers in steady work swiss couriers and other swiss servants chronically out of place industrious swiss laundresses and clear starchers mysteriously existing swiss of both sexes swiss creditable and swiss discreditable swiss to be trusted by all means and swiss to be trusted by no means these diverse swiss particles are attracted to a centre in the district of soho shabby swiss eating-houses coffee-houses and lodging-houses swiss drinks and dishes swiss service for sundays and swiss schools for week-days are all to be found here even the native-born english taverns drive a sort of broken english trade announcing in their windows swiss whets and drams and sheltering in their bars swiss skirmishes of love and animosity on most nights in the year when the new partner in wilding and company rang the bell of a door bearing the blunt inscription obenreiser on a brass plate the inner door of a substantial house whose ground story was devoted to the sale of swiss clocks he passed at once into domestic switzerland a white-tiled stove for winter-time filled the fireplace of the room into which he was shown the room's bare floor was laid together in a neat pattern of several ordinary woods the room had a prevalent air of surface bareness and much scrubbing and the little square of flowery carpet by the sofa and the velvet chimney-board with its capacious clock and vases of artificial flowers contended with that tone as if in bringing out the whole effect a parisian had adapted a dairy to domestic purposes mimic water was dropping off a mill-wheel under the clock the visitor had not stood before it following it with his eyes a minute when monsieur obenreizer at his elbow startled him by saying in very good english very slightly clipped how do you do so glad Oh, i beg your pardon i didn't hear you come in not at all sit please releasing his visitor's two arms which he had lightly pinioned at the elbows by way of embrace monsieur obenreizer also sat remarking with a smile you are well so glad and touching his elbows again i don't know said vendale after exchange of salutations whether you may yet have heard of me from your house at neuchatel ah yes in connection with wilding and company ah surely is it not odd that i should come to you in london here as one of the firm of wilding and company to pay you the firm's respects not at all 
what did i always observe when we were on the mountains we called them vast but the world is so little so little is the world that one cannot keep away from persons there are so few persons in the world that they continually cross and recross so very little in the world that one cannot get rid of a person not touching his elbows again with an ingratiatory smile that one would desire to get rid of you i hope not monsieur obenreizer please call me in your country mister i shall call myself so for i love your country if i could be english but i am born and you though descended from so fine a family you have had the condescension to come into trade stop though wines is it trade in england or profession not fine art mr obenreizer returned vendale somewhat out of countenance i was but a silly young fellow just of age when i first had the pleasure of travelling with you and when you and i and mademoiselle your niece who is well thank you who is well shared some slight glacier danger together if with a boy's vanity i rather vaunted my family i hope i did so as a kind of introduction of myself it was very weak and in very bad taste but perhaps you know our english proverb live and learn you make too much of it returned the swiss and what the devil after all yours was a fine family george vendale's laugh betrayed a little vexation as he rejoined well i was strongly attached to my parents and when we first travelled together mr obenreizer i was in the first flush of coming into what my father and mother left me so i hope it may have been after all more youthful openness of speech and heart than boastfulness all openness of speech and heart no boastfulness cried obenreizer you tax yourself too heavily you tax yourself my faith as if it was your government taxing you besides it commenced with me i remember that evening in the boat upon the lake floating among reflections of the mountains and valleys the crags and pine woods which were my earliest remembrance i drew a word-picture of my sordid childhood of our poor hut by the waterfall which my mother showed to travellers of the cowshed where i slept with the cow of my idiot half-brother always sitting at the door or limping down the pass to beg of my half-sister always spinning and resting her enormous goitre on a great stone of my being a famished naked little wretch of two or three years when they were men and women with hard hands to beat me i the only child of my father's second marriage if it even was a marriage what more natural than for you to compare notes with me and say we are as one by age at that same time i sat upon my mother's lap in my father's carriage rolling through the rich english streets all luxury surrounding me all squalid poverty kept far from me such is my earliest remembrance as opposed to yours mr obenreizer was a black-haired young man of a dark complexion through whose swarthy skin no red glow ever shone when colour would have come into another cheek a hardly discernible beat would come into his as if the machinery for bringing up the ardent blood were there but the machinery were dry he was robustly made well proportioned and had handsome features 
many would have perceived that some surface change in him would have set them more at their ease with him without being able to define what change if his lips could have been made much thicker and his neck much thinner they would have found their want supplied but the great openriser peculiarity was that a certain nameless film would come over his eyes apparently by the action of his own will which would impenetrably veil not only from those tellers of tales but from his face at large every expression save one of attention it by no means followed that his attention would be wholly given to the person with whom he spoke or even wholly bestowed on present sounds and objects rather it was a comprehensive watchfulness of everything he had in his own mind and everything that he knew to be or suspected to be in the minds of other men at this stage of the conversation mr obenreizer's film came over him the object of my present visit said vendale is i need hardly say to assure you of the friendliness of wilding and company and of the goodness of your credit with us and of our desire to be of service to you we hope shortly to offer you our hospitality things are not quite in train with us yet for my partner mr wilding is reorganizing the domestic part of our establishment and is interrupted by some private affairs you don't know mr wilding i believe mr obenreizer did not you must come together soon he will be glad to have made your acquaintance and i think i may predict that you will be glad to have made his you have not been long established in london i suppose mr obenreizer it is only now that i have undertaken this agency mademoiselle your niece is uh, not married not married george vendale glanced about him as if for any tokens of her she has been in london she is in london when and where might i have the honour of recalling myself to her remembrance mr obenreizer discarding his film and touching his visitor's elbows as before said lightly come upstairs fluttering enough by the suddenness with which the interview he had sought was coming upon him after all george vendale followed upstairs in a room over the chamber he had just quitted a room also swiss appointed a young lady sat near one of the three windows working at an embroidery frame and an older lady sat with her face turned close to another white-tiled stove though it was summer and the stove was not lighted cleaning gloves the young lady wore an unusual quantity of fair bright hair very prettily braided about a rather rounder white forehead than the average english type and so her face might have been a shade or say a light rounder than the average english face and her figure slightly rounder than the figure of the average english girl at nineteen a remarkable indication of freedom and grace of limb in her quiet attitude and a wonderful purity and freshness of colour in her dimpled face and bright grey eyes seemed fraught with mountain air switzerland too though the general fashion of her dress was english peeped out of the fanciful bodice she wore and lurked in the curious clocked red stocking and in its little silver buckled shoe as to the elder lady sitting with her feet apart upon the lower brass ledge of the stove supporting a lapful of gloves while she cleaned one outstretched on her left hand she was a true swiss impersonation of another kind 
from the breadth of her cushion-like back and the ponderosity of her respectable legs if the word be admissible to the black velvet band tied tightly round her throat for the repression of a rising tendency to goiter or higher still to her great copper-coloured gold earrings or higher still to her headdress of black gauze stretched on wire miss marguerite said obenreizer to the young lady do you recollect this gentleman i think she answered rising from her seat surprised and a little confused it is mr vendale i think it is said obenreizer dryly permit me mr vendale madame dor the elder lady by the stove with the glove stretched on her left hand like a glover's sign half got up half looked over her broad shoulder and wholly plumped down again and rubbed away madame dor said obenreizer smiling is so kind as to keep me free from stain or tear madame dor humours my weakness for being always neat and devotes her time to removing every one of my specks and spots madame dor with the stretched glove in the air and her eyes closely scrutinising its palm discovered a tough spot in mr obenreizer at that instant and rubbed hard at him george vendale took his seat by the embroidery frame having first taken the fair right hand that his entrance had checked and glanced at the golden cross that dipped into the bodice with something of the devotion of a pilgrim who had reached his shrine at last obenreizer stood in the middle of the room with his thumbs in his waistcoat pockets and became filmy he was saying downstairs miss obenreizer observed vendale that the world is so small a place that people cannot escape one another i have found it much too large for me since i saw you last have you travelled so far then she inquired not so far for i have only gone back to switzerland each year but i could have wished and indeed i have wished very often that the little world did not afford such opportunities for long escapes as it does if it had been less i might have found my fellow-traveller sooner you know the pretty marguerite coloured and very slightly glanced in the direction of madame dor you find us at length mr vendale perhaps you may lose us again oh i trust not the curious coincidence that has enabled me to find you encourages me to hope not what is that coincidence sir if you please a dainty little native touch in this turn of speech and in its tone made it perfectly captivating thought george vendale when again he noticed an instantaneous glance towards madame dor a caution seemed to be conveyed in it rapid flash though it was so he quietly took heed of madame dor from that time forth it is that i happen to have become a partner in a house of business in london to which mr obenreizer happens this very day to be expressly recommended and that too by another house of business in switzerland in which as it turns out we both have a commercial interest he has not told you oh cried obenreizer striking in filmless no i had not told miss marguerite the world is so small and so monotonous that a surprise is worth having in such a little jog-trot place it is as he tells you miss marguerite he of so fine a family and so proudly bred has condescended to trade to trade like us poor peasants who have risen from ditches a cloud crept over the fair brow and she cast down her eyes 
why it is good for trade pursued obenreizer enthusiastically it ennobles trade it is the misfortune of trade it is its vulgarity that any low people for example we poor peasants may make to it and climb by it see you my dear vendale he spoke with great energy the father of miss marguerite my eldest half-brother more than two times your age or mine if living now wandered without shoes almost without rags from that wretched pass wandered wandered got to be fed with the mules and dogs at an inn in the main valley far away got to be boy there got to be ostler got to be waiter got to be cook got to be landlord as landlord he took me could he take the idiot beggar his brother or the spinning monstrosity his sister to put as pupil to the famous watchmaker his neighbour and friend his wife dies when miss marguerite is born what is his will and what are his words to me when he dies she being between girl and woman all for marguerite except so much by the year for you you are young but i make her your ward for you were of the obscurest and the poorest peasantry and so was i and so was her mother we were abject peasants all and you will remember it the thing is equally true of most of my countrymen now in trade in this your london quarter of soho peasants once low-born drudging swiss peasants then how good and great for trade here from having been warm he became playfully jubilant and touched the young wine-merchant's elbows again with his light embrace to be exalted by gentlemen i do not think so said marguerite with a flushed cheek and a look away from the visitor that was almost defiant i think it is as much exalted by us peasants fie fie miss marguerite said obenreizer you speak in proud england i speak in proud earnest she answered quietly resuming her work and i am not english but a swiss peasant's daughter there was a dismissal of the subject in her words which vendale could not contend against he only said in an earnest manner i most heartily agree with you miss obenreizer and i have already said so as mr obenreizer will bear witness which he by no means did in this house now vendale's eyes were quick eyes and sharply watching madame dor by times noted something in the broad back view of that lady there was considerable pantomimic expression in her glove-cleaning it had been very softly done when he spoke with marguerite or it had altogether stopped like the action of a listener when obenreizer's peasant speech came to an end she rubbed most vigorously as if applauding it and once or twice as the glove which she always held before her a little above her face turned in the air or as this finger went down or that went up he even fancied that it made some telegraphic communication to obenreizer whose back was certainly never turned upon it though he did not seem at all to heed it vendale observed too that in marguerite's dismissal of the subject twice forced upon him to his misrepresentation there was an indignant treatment of her guardian which she tried to check as though she would have flamed out against him but for the influence of fear he also observed though this was not much that he never advanced within the distance of her at which he first placed himself as though there were limits fixed between them 
neither had he ever spoken of her without the prefix miss though whenever he uttered it it was with the faintest trace of an air of mockery and now it occurred to vendale for the first time that something curious in the man which he had never before been able to define was definable as a certain subtle essence of mockery that eluded touch or analysis he felt convinced that marguerite was in some sort a prisoner as to her free will though she held her own against those two combined by the force of her character which was nevertheless inadequate to her release to feel convinced of this was not to feel less disposed to love her than he had always been in a word he was desperately in love with her and thoroughly determined to pursue the opportunity which had opened at last for the present he merely touched upon the pleasure that wilding and company would soon have in entreating miss obenreizer to honour their establishment with her presence a curious old place though a bachelor house withal and so did not protract his visit beyond such a visit's ordinary length going downstairs conducted by his host he found the obenreizer counting-house at the back of the entrance hall and several shabby men in outlandish garments hanging about whom obenreizer put aside that he might pass with a few words in patois countrymen he explained as he attended vendale to the door poor compatriots grateful and attached like dogs good-bye to meet again so glad two more light touches on his elbows dismissed him into the street sweet marguerite at her frame and madame dor's broad back at her telegraph floated before him to cripple corner on his arrival there wilding was closeted with bentry the cellar doors happening to be open vendale lighted a candle in a cleft stick and went down for a salarious stroll graceful marguerite floated before him faithfully but madame dor's broad back remained outside the vaults were very spacious and very old there had been a stone crypt down there when bygones were not bygones some said part of a monkish refectory some said of a chapel some said of a pagan temple it was all one now let who would make what he liked of a crumbled pillar and a broken arch or so old time had made what he liked of it and was quite indifferent to contradiction the close air the musty smell and the thunderous rumbling in the streets above as being out of the routine of ordinary life went well enough with the picture of pretty marguerite holding her own against those two so vendale went on until at a turning in the vaults he saw a light like the light he carried oh you are here are you joey oughtn't it rather to go oh you're here are you master george for it's my business to be here but it ain't yourn don't grumble joey oh i don't grumble returned the cellarman if anything grumbles it's what i've took in through the pores it ain't me have a care as something in you don't begin a grumbling master george stop here long enough for the wapers to work and they'll be at it his present occupation consisted of poking his head into the bends making measurements and mental calculations and entering them in a rhinoceros-hide looking notebook like a piece of himself 
they'll be at it he resumed laying the wooden rod that he measured with across two casks entered his last calculation and straightened his back trust em and so you've regularly come into the business master george regularly i hope you don't object joey i don't bless you but wapers objects that you're too young you're both on you too young we shall get over that objection day by day joey ay master george but i shall day by day get over the objection that i'm too old and so i shan't be capable of seeing much improvement in you the retort so tickled joey ladle that he grunted forth a laugh and delivered it again grunting forth another laugh after the second edition of improvement in you but what's no laughing matter master george he resumed straightening his back once more is that young master wilding has gone and changed the luck mark my words he has changed the luck and he'll find it out i ain't been down here all my life for nothing i know by what i notices down here when it's a-goin to rain when it's a-goin to hold up when it's a-goin to blow when it's a-goin to be calm i know by what i notices down here when the luck's changed quite as well has this growth on the roof anything to do with your divination asked fendale holding his light towards a gloomy ragged growth of dark fungus pendant from the arches with a very disagreeable and repellent effect we are famous for this growth in this vault aren't we we are master george replied joey ladle moving a step or two away and if you'll be advised by me you'll let it alone taking up the rod just now laid across the two casks and faintly moving the languid fungus with it vendale asked ay indeed why so why not so much because it rises from the casks of wine and may leave you to judge what sort of stuff a cellarman takes into himself when he walks in the same all the days of his life nor yet so much because at a stage of its growth it's maggots and you'll fetch em down upon you returned joey ladle still keeping away as for another reason master george what other reason i wouldn't keep on touching it if i was you sir i'll tell you if you'll come out of the place first take a look at its colour master george i am doing so done sir now come out of the place he moved away with his light and vendale followed with his when vendale came up with him and they were going back together vendale eyeing him as they walked through the arches said well joey the colour is it like clotted blood master george like enough perhaps more than enough i think muttered joey ladle shaking his head solemnly well say it is like say it is exactly like what then master george they do say who how should i know who rejoined the cellarman apparently much exasperated by the unreasonable nature of the question them them as says pretty well everything you know how should i know who they are if you don't true go on they do say that the man that gets by any accident a piece of that dark growth right upon his breast will for sure and certain die by murder as vendale laughingly stopped to meet the cellarman's eyes which he had fastened on his light while dreamily saying those words he suddenly became conscious of being struck upon his own breast by a heavy hand instantly following with his eyes the action of the hand that struck him 
which was his companion's, he saw that it had beaten off his breast a web or clot of the fungus even then floating to the ground. For a moment he turned upon the cellarman almost as scared a look as the cellarman turned upon him. But in another moment they had reached the daylight at the foot of the cellar steps, and before he cheerfully sprang up them he blew out his candle and the superstition together. End of story 20 Part 4